Welcome to the Well Workplaces podcast, where we have authentic conversations with health and wellbeing leaders that are on a mission to inspire healthy change in the workplace. I'm your host, Tom Bosner, and this podcast is brought to you by Pinnacle Health Group, Australia's leading corporate wellbeing provider, who are on a mission to deliver 5 million health experiences globally. Now, to stay in touch with the latest events and podcasts related to Well Workplaces, You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, or on LinkedIn by simply typing in Well Workplaces. In this episode, I'm joined today by Jen Hope, who signs in all the way from Seattle today. Jen has partnered with leaders in scaling organizations for a couple of decades now and has a background as the Vice President of Marketing for multiple high-growth startup companies. And so Jen has used this experience to create a coaching and leadership focus for her own business, where she helps business owners, leaders, develop techniques and strategies to help them live into the future and create a life that they truly desire. Now, we know that startup space and well-being are often contradicted. It's quite a challenging thing to do, which is develop a business from zero to nothing. So Jen really specializes in startup leadership space. And we'll be talking today about some of those main differences that happen in startup businesses from a leadership challenge perspective, not to mention the well-being perspective and the challenges that come with that. We'll talk about how leadership development is sometimes not prioritized in startups and what are some of the challenges and successes that a lot of leaders are having or have had over the last couple of years. It's a really interesting chat. We talk about the future of work as well, as always. Let's head across to the show and hear from Jen Hope. Welcome to the show, Jen. How are you going? Hey, great to see you. Good to connect all the way from uh, all the way from Seattle, I believe, right? Yeah, hey, from the Pacific Northwest of the U.S. How's it going? <laughs> I love that. Well, one of the one of the great things about doing these types of discussions and podcasts is chatting with people from all over the world with different, you know, perspectives and and learnings as well that they've that they've had in their own experience. And Jen, with your background in startup businesses, um, you're obviously in leadership coaching and business coaching. You've also got a bit of a fitness uh, background as as well with with some of the the work you did as a fitness instructor. It'd be great to, I guess, link all of this together today and to talk about startup businesses. My personal experience with startup businesses is that I've I've ran one and I've gone through that patch of setting up something and really working your tail off to then get it and try and turn it into something meaningful, but through that experience, and I guess I, I like to talk from experience because it's most relatable to me, it's quite stressful. And also as the leader, you really sometimes have your, your blinkers on and you, you're really just focused on putting your head down, sometimes to the detriment of the people around you and maybe the, the team that you're trying to create perhaps, and also the products and services that you're trying to build on and, and deliver. So. Jen, I imagine through your experience working at some of those startups that you've seen, you've seen some of that before. Maybe a good place to start, Jen, is tell us a little bit about your experience in startups previously when you were working as a, was it VP in marketing? That's right. 
That's right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I led marketing for two high growth startups. One of the first, uh, the first was a, a company called Cheeseburger and Cheeseburger, if y'all, if you remember the beginning of memes and cat memes specifically, we were very responsible for the popularizing of, of memes and you know, <laughs> right. du- dudes jumping off buildings and things like that. Right. Like, you know, the, the, the fail of the world. And I tell people a lot like, you're welcome. I'm sorry. You know, (laughs) it's so, yeah. So uh, that was an incredible journey being really early in that organization and and growing with them. Uh, And then uh, leading marketing for a a company, uh, a travel company that was acquired by Expedia called Trover and really, you know, helping these organizations grow and, and being in leadership and seeing what that role is like, learning so much on the job, you know, there's nothing like like that experience and having a role that is that big and that diverse day to day and and ever changing and context shifting and going from you know a product market fit you know to like changing the water bottle at the fountain right like it, it's <laughs> it's a it's a bizarre it's a yeah. bizarre set of responsibilities so yeah really really unique and and stressful in its own way for so for so many reasons from the pressure and you know, the runway and having a lot of stakeholders, like depending on your role, like a lot of stakeholders from investors and, 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 you know, co-founders and partners. And yeah, it's, it's a unique, it's a unique beast. I love the word you used meaningful to describe it. Like you're trying to build it into something meaningful. And my, I was like, you know, the coach in me is like, well, what is that? What do you mean by meaningful? What is, you know, does that scale? Is that, you know, unicorn growth like what does that even mean well yeah that's that's a good point and i think yeah like if i go back to my channel my startup sort of phase in in our business and you know in some and i've been in our business at pinnacle health group for 13 years so it's been a, a long journey but that we we grew rapidly we we grew across multiple sites we doubled our team in uh, over, no, in one year, we actually doubled our team and doubled our locations and we're not, a, we weren't a tech business and we're not a tech business. So it's a service business, meaning, um, lots of, I guess, maybe a word that I'd like to use is operational drag, meaning that like, whilst you're trying to replicate your systems across a lot of, um, uh, areas and we, we went from Melbourne to Sydney at that point. Yeah. You're just running into a lot of. Uh, a, a lot of issues with that, that replication of what you're trying to do. And in my, in my shoes or what I was trying to do there was to try and replicate or build out a, a, t- a good team culture across interstate. So meaning between two different sort of areas of Australia, or main cities of Australia and really hard to do. One reason for that in my head as well is that it's really hard to embed culture across you know, different low, uh, you know, this is, this is circa five years ago. No, you know, less, less hybrid at that point in time. So really hard to sort of embed culture across, you know, different locations and really, you know, part of the big part of that for us was recruiting great people. And we did manage to, to do that, but yeah, I'm thinking in your, in your shoes as well, from when you work, working in those startups. Um, businesses, you kind of taking, you are taking on lots of responsibility. You mentioned, you know, changing the water bottle to like to, 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 you know, to, to doing these, these great marketing ads. And in, you know, in the case of, of me, it was something like similar might be like vacuuming the, vacuuming the carpet at the end of the day and running the team meeting and also treating the, the clients as well as a, as a health practitioner. So 
you do, you do wear a lot of different, a lot of different hats. And I guess you've probably seen in your, your space as well with your coaching that there's a fair difference between startup mode business versus mid tier or larger corporation sort of businesses. What do you see as the main differences between that when you're in those roles? Um, and what are the, the key challenges do you think? I, you know, I think part of it, we talked about like the context switching where we are trying to go from practitioner to business owner. It, it, there's something so unique about that. I mean, even, you know, there are frameworks about like what, what kind of leader do we need to be or what, what are the you know, principles or skills that we really need to have at different size organizations, right? There's like one to 15 and, you know, mm. like, you know, 15 to 40 and, and, and 100 and up. And even what we're doing in that way, like our mindset, like how much are we thinking about um, stabilizing cash, right? Like mm. in, in the growth stage, it's like, build it, build it, build it, like take the risk, right? Like we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, we build some scaffolding, but we really do some of that later, right? It, it's like, we don't need it until we're ready for it. And it, you know, in a larger organization, this, I mean, the scope is so different, right? Your, your, your world is certainly not like, you know, who's cleaning the office next week, most likely, right? Like, I, I don't think <laughs> that's most, I don't think that's most, folk, you know, responsibility in a mid-stage organization. And then you have things that you've never done before. Like, uh, you know, if you're, if you're running an organization and, and it's, you know, new or scaling, we're running payroll or HR because we don't have somebody in that role yet. And we're building culture for the first time. And, you know, we're, we're, we're doing some of these things that, that aren't necessarily our responsibility. Yes, we do them on our individual team as a manager or a leader, you know, in a mid-sized org, but, but it's so, it, the responsibility, I think, is much different. I think, too, I'd be curious to hear your, your thoughts on this. Even the relationship that we have with other folks on the team, it has a different look and feel to me. I've been closer, and you can tell me from your experience, I feel like I've been a lot closer to the folks that I've worked with in startup organizations. They I, I don't really like this idea of family at work, but it does get this familial kind of vibe, you know, where yep. you know what everyone's eating for lunch because you're eating lunch together every day, you know, like I, yeah. people knew me too well. I think it's in about in a great way, but maybe too well for them or maybe too much for me. I'd agree with that. And I think it's in that startup zone. And I said, the, you know, trying to build something meaningful earlier, it's, it's kind of like when you bring a bunch of people together you, and you're trying to overcome a fairly significant challenge, I think most of the time people get excited by that because they, I think sometimes the people at work and especially in those mid-tier or large-tier organizations, there may be missing meaning in the role, perhaps. It could be a generalization, but I also think one thing they are missing sometimes is that stretch challenge, as in like, this is a significant thing that we're trying to achieve as a team. So let's all get, get around this together and, and really make this work. And in startup mode, you mentioned, you know, eating lunch together and all those kinds of things It it, it genuinely is, is the way that it, it works because you, you are, you're having to kind of work. I, I dare say, I dare use the word hustle, but you are hustling a little bit more and you know, there, there's risks with that. There's obviously burnout that's getting spoken about a lot, but I think, you know, within all that, the key role and the key role in this, especially in startup is the leader. So if the leader's burnt out or not leading by example, or perhaps they don't have good enough emotional intelligence to realize how they're coming across at certain stages, 
maybe that's the key lever that you can really lean on in the startup phase. Normally that leads to a burnout of a leader, but, but if they do it well enough, they can achieve, maybe build out that kind of that growth plan. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was thinking too about where, you know, a lot of the folks I work with in startup are really passionate about their idea, right? And yeah. some of that, re- it's that enthusiasm that is, that gets them up in the day, right? Like we're doing something. Yeah. And some of this is truly disruptive, right? Like what, you know, that, that was very overused word, but it truly is, right? We're yeah. creating something that's never been done before. We're hustling to get it to market. We're, you know, really trying to, to be a part of, of something, but create too, right? There's so much creation in it and that creativity, that the journey of creativity, like when we're really inspired, it, you know, like to your point, I think if you can harness it and it can be proactive and generative, great, right? Like that's the leadership. That's the leader that we're looking for is, is the person yeah. who can really harness that and then also manage themselves well enough, like in their headspace, you know, between their ears as cool. much as yeah. they do, uh, you know, lead the team and, ins- and inspire them and, and lead to, to a, to a big vision. Like that's who doesn't want it, that kind of job, right? Like that, that to me, I don't know. Others, maybe, maybe that's not their ideal, but that to me was always like, oh, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that, uh, that creative energy that you can create is is contagious, isn't it? In the in the startup mode, and and as we've mentioned here, the leader is often the most passionate, which really sort of feeds the rest of the team. But you can't do that forever, right? You can't be passionate forever, and it only gets you so far. So I'm wondering, with your experience in leadership, when you were in the working in startups, and also you know that you're coaching startup leaders, what are some of the challenges that 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 they face? You mentioned you know, looking after themselves in between, you know, between the their ears and looking after their, their mental health, I, I take it is what you're getting at there. Yeah. What are, what are the main challenges that you set? Definitely. I, I have this great tool that I work with called Leadership Circle. And I, one of the things that I've loved about working with this tool that I have learned and been able to really give language to and help other folks identify is the idea of drive and how it is such an asset until it becomes a liability. And so common, like love it. It, yeah. it is that it is that this idea, particularly with leaders in this in this role, where it, it really is this like it gets us to where we are, but it doesn't take us at scale, right? Like if you love the idea of like the superhero cape that you get to throw on because you're the hardest worker in the room, like it's got it's it it works, and then it doesn't. You know, it, it yeah. really becomes this liability. So this, I think, to your point, this idea of balance. This idea of composure and being able to translate ambition and some of those ways that we can be reactive and that get us, like particularly in early career, if we had early success, it is drive, ambition, a lot of these things that that really work for us. And then when we try to do it at scale or when we move through those like stages of adult development and realize like there is more complexity to my life than than just my work, or we add in you know, families and all of these other elements, we start to see that, that, that drive our foot on the gas pedal. We, we, we gotta be able to be measured uh, uh, about that. Do you have a, do you, what do you think? Do, you're nodding a ton. So I'm like, oh, you get drive. <laughs> you no, no, I, I'm agreeing because in behind me, as you can see on the screen, and if you're listening to this, you won't be able to see, but I'm in my son's room and I've got the Spider-Man little conf- figurine behind behind in his cot that I can kind of see that's probably kind of in your, in your view as well there, Jen. But basically, as you were saying that, it's like, 
for me, as I was telling my story sort of early is like that trying to scale things. I was doing that when I was 26, 27. So quite early and gee, my life was different then to what it is now. And if I was doing what I was doing back then now, which was foot on the gas, let's keep going. Let's push through this. Everyone get motivated. And if you're not motivated, then, you know, maybe this isn't the right place. But that just doesn't work, you know, as a long-term strategy. And I also think for some leaders as well, it's kind of, it's probably a bias and I'm, I'm probably not smart enough to remember all the different biases out there. But if, if I'm a leader and I'm communicating to a team in that startup zone and I'm like, all right, everyone, we just need to do this, this, and this. Basically my expectation then if I'm in that zone is it's, it's sort of all about me really and what I need and what, what I want for our company to go to, to the, you know, in the right direction. But to assume that people understand what I'm saying or that I'm communicating it, you know, in the way that everyone receives it is, is kind of missing, missing the, the nuances that occur between, you know, hum, the human, human connection. And I guess what I'm getting at here is, you know, introverts, extroverts in startup world, you don't want 20 extroverts just going, yeah, let's, let's do this. You, you actually need a mix of individuals there. Have you noticed that in startups as well, that you can, if you have the same people, the same 10 people with the same personality, that things don't work or that's oh, us. <laughs> no, so much, so much. This is, uh, you know, one of the things I geek out on the most, I think in my work is using a tool called DISC. And it's for this exact reason. So we can gather some data, right? Gather some, mm. you know, in 10 or 15 minutes, we can gather some information and put some data points together and help ourselves plot as a team on this, uh, on a big circular graph. Like what, what is the makeup of our team? How many folks do we have that prefer a task orientation in their role? How many people oriented folks do we have in our organization? What is our balance of fast paced and slow paced? How many folks do we have, you know, based on the size of an organization, you know, it, when we're really early stage, we may not need the process builders, right? That like higher compliance above the line, you know, that, but we do as we start to start building that foundation, right? And we need those process people in the, in the operations, right? And, and, and it, so it is this, like, it's just this really incredible way to look at if we got, you know, a bunch of people high influence, right? Those are the extroverts in the room, mm. potentially over like can be like over-optimistic, unrealistic, right? Versus like our more reserved or like really practical lower influence folks, really great balance to have, right? And yeah. what we see, and you know, this is why I geek out in this data is the ways that in, is the way that we can be intentional about culture and bring that in. So if you've got a room and there's 10 folks who are extroverts, right? Or that high above the eye yellow influence, then we know that if we want those other folks to speak, we have to slow it down. We need to bring the information. Some folks are going to go away and come back with deeper thoughts, right? Like, so it really is this really cool way to, to work, you know, in a, from a place of understanding and deep respect for one another. And that if we really want to get the best from these folks, they're going to have a, a totally different operating system than we have, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good word, actually, operating system. I like that because I can picture in my head straight away, you know, the people that are high, high on him, on influential perhaps versus those that come to a meeting and they just want to get into the meeting. They, they want to know, all right, what's this meeting about? Um, what do I need to do? And see you later. I'm going to do it. 
Whereas the, uh, the, the people that are, I'm going to say more influential or perhaps more social or extroverted, again, these are labels. I could be using them incorrectly, but they want to know, oh, how's your weekend? How's life? And, and that chit chat actually probably doesn't work for those other people. Is that right? <laughs> Definitely. And it's not just the extrovert, it's not introversion, extroversion. There's also, so the D in disc, which is dominance, we yeah. really high urgency. So, you know, imagine I'm sitting in a workshop and I'm about to teach, you know, disc and I've got folks all over the disc craft and the folks who I can see getting sometimes frustrated the soonest because it's taking me five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to get (laughs) folks together and facilitate it. They're like, come on already. When is this meeting going to start, you know, and and it it really is because we've got urgency. We need to get to it. We need to get to the thing. And so really it's it's really it's super interesting to see that it isn't just the the chit chat it's the it's it's maybe that i have a more reflective style and don't want to chit chat with you or maybe i got a lot of things to do and i don't have time for this right and and mm-hmm. so this is a really cool tool to dive deeper and say like what is driving what's driving your behavior why 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 is it that you need to get this done and it's because i got i got stuff to do i got you know <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so in DISC, there's dominant and so D for dominant. I is influence. Is that right? I is influence. Yep. yep. S is steadiness. And then C is oh. compliance. Yeah. Compliance. Aha. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, I, I've, I've done DISC before a long time ago and we, we actually used it in some of our early stages of our business, which was a good exercise. I haven't, we haven't gone back to it since and we probably should, but it's, it was quite, I remember feeling like, gee, this is really interesting to see where everyone sits in this. And I think I need to change my approach when I talk to certain people, because I now know this is how they want it served up. Do you, do you notice as well, Jen, in things like meetings and, you know, everyone's working hybrid now, or a lot of, lot of knowledge workers are, and I'm assuming startups are perhaps in the same, you know, same boat where people working from home. There's probably some good ways that you can make sure that those people that aren't as dominant perhaps prefer to think a little bit more how they can come to a meeting. Are you seeing some new techniques that are being used in this hybrid mode? Oh, a lot. I've seen folks really genuinely pause, like 45 seconds of silence. Does anyone have any thoughts? And then wait, particularly if you're high eye, like, and you have a tendency to maybe, you know, fill silence. Not that I would ever be doing that. I definitely would. But, you know, so to be really aware, you know, I have folks, particularly like, you know, folks with high dominance, they might even sit on their hands and count to 10. We have to like really think about these exercises and ways. Also, you know, sending agendas, right? Always is, is great for the folks who like reflection time before they're going to bring ideas. I think that's like a pretty, you know, respectful way to get the most from people, obviously for organizing their time and being able to to decide what is the most important thing that they're doing that day. Uh, but also for those folks who prefer more time to process or really um, high steadiness, you know, folks who prefer like a, a higher uh, steadiness communication style, they're going to want a lot of information about change. So giving a lot of information about change, knowing that you've got folks who are who are happy to make change, but just want the information to know more about it before you move forward, that can really be helpful, right? Like some of the details, some of the process, if there's process involved, if we know there are folks who, I don't know, higher compliance preference, then we can get them that information and be really mindful about it. Intentional, I guess, is the way I would say intentional about it. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a really good word for being a bit more intentional with your meetings, I guess, in when we were all in person all the time, you just, you know, often the, the person that was the dominant or high, high influence, they'd probably just go, oh, we'll just turn up to a meeting. We'll just, we'll just start it and we'll just sort of wing it and, you know, use our, use our influence to keep the buzz going. But in hybrid world, they probably need to be more organized with, like you said, agendas, pausing for the moment for people to think. One other thing that I've been using or we've been using in our business that's been good, it's a tool called Mural and it's yeah. basically that virtual virtual whiteboard or workshopping style thing and putting a, so for example, the post-it notes that are virtual, what I've noticed in that is the people that aren't the D and the I, probably the, the S and the C, they're, they're actually giving, I'm learning more about how they're thinking because it's a, is it an asynchronous environment, if that makes sense? So they can sit, they can think, they can put things up, I can put a timer on and it's kind of silent. And I'm also like, you know, turn your screen, turn your cameras off if you want. I don't really need to see your face. I just want you to participate in the thinking process. And that's quite, it's quite good. And, and with all of that, there is some well-being benefits in this because one of the best things you can do for your well-being in a startup is the leader the leader being really great at their communication and their ability to lead right mm-hmm. yeah as as you were saying that too i was thinking about the folks and you know i don't know if you're one of these folks but i'm great at on a walk right like i can come up i can I can come up with way better ideas listening into a phone call with, you know, you know, yep. I live in Seattle, so we're out here and, you know, in the green trees and that's where some great ideation can happen. So having that flexibility as a leader too, to say like, Hey, you know what? Like if you need to walk, walk, I do this in coaching too. Like if we don't need to be on zoom all day, if anything, it's probably better for us to not be on zoom, right? Like from a distraction perspective and our brain health, like it's just a lot to manage. So if we're going to do ideation, if we're going to do connection, if we're going to do process, like maybe it really helps to walk or to write on your own whiteboard. I have folks who do that too, where they've got a whiteboard behind them. And I think like we used to do, I know in startup, we used to like haul up in a, in a room mm. and get around a whiteboard. And even just having that access, you know, you're sanding, you're writing, it's got a more I don't know, it reminds me of like Mad Men days of like get in a room and get creative, you know, and yes. in the agency world. So you probably see that coming out right now, but it, it, it does, it has a different way that it even feels in your body than it is like sitting at a, sitting at a desk again, which we've been doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. And, and with Jen, with the leaders that you coach now, so you're obviously doing this for startups and, and probably established businesses as well. Do you find that like, I wish back when I was in my startup mode that I had a leadership coach because I reckon I could have saved myself some time and some anguish with the process. Do you find that for those leaders that they are prioritizing their own development and well-being? How are they going about that, or how are you? How do you facilitate, you know, that well-being side as well? I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is one of the the most challenging pieces, right? I think when we ask folks, like, how do we stay well? Some of it comes from, I think, the learning, right? You don't, I don't know if you would know, and I don't know if I would have known that, like, I need a day off a screen to do my best work, right? Like my part of my work re- needs to include a day where I'm not like on video with someone else, right? All day. Yep. Just, I just can't get 
I can't get deep enough into the work that I'm doing, yeah. right? And and I think it takes a little bit of learning to figure that out. There's other things too. Like, I, you know, I, I see folks doing the walking meeting. I see folks really prioritizing some of that. You know, I come from the, a fitness background. Uh, I Somehow, I think it's magical and wonderful in the best possible way. I end up working with a lot of CEOs who are also athletes. It's the coolest. Love it, that. It, I did that. It, it had just worked, you know, I know it's, it's just the magic of who I've been, you know, but but there's this intersection, right? I think a lot of times there is, we have this sense of like, and I don't know if this is true for you, but, you know, if you can do hard things in a physical sense, or you set that up as a part of your day where you've done something physical and, you know, lifted a weight you've never lifted before or hit a PR on your treadmill or whatever it is, or your Peloton, like it, it. I, there's some there's a switch that I think happens for people that says like oh I can do this I can mm. find the capacity and have the resources internally right the internal resources and the capacity to have a day that is what it is right complex challenging mm. asking more of me than I sometimes maybe thought that I had right <laughs> oh, yeah. and I mean that on all fronts right because you know if we're building startups we we also probably, you know, we also have lives, right? It's not like the startup is our is our only baby, right? There's there's parents, there's you know a, a bigger picture, and so there's a there's a boundary practice in that too. I work a lot with folks on boundaries. We talk about boundaries all day long, and and mm. and what does that mean, and and how do we honor it, and what does it mean if you put it on the calendar and don't do it, right? And and how do we get started when we don't, right? Because we inevitably won't. And what do we do on the days where, you know, I didn't, I had a commitment to myself and I had to let it go, right? And and how yeah. do we get back? Or how do we be creative enough to to keep that, I don't know, commitment to ourselves going? Mm. No, that, that that makes so much sense. And I couldn't agree more with that, you know, that idea of waking up and I think the phrase is eat the frog kind of thing where you go, you do something physical just to have that really like, I guess it's alone, alone time perhaps, or if you're in a group training environment, it's kind of that community feeling at maybe five or six in the morning, but yet you kind of, you're doing the hardest thing physically, uh, really sets you up for a really great day. You feel like you can achieve anything from there. You mentioned the boundaries as well. I think, you know, one of the things I'm kind of always talking about or have chatted with others about is that idea of energy management. So like as the leader, you know, you know, you can't really just push through, you know, 40 something weeks working, working weeks of the year and expect to have the same energy. So the boundaries that you create within your, within your week and also getting away from technology, as you said, like having a day where you're not, you know, on a screen looking or chatting with someone, like for example, these podcasts, I'm, I only do it on Fridays in the morning and I've got like three hours that I, that I offer each week, but it's great for my head because I know throughout the whole week, I'm not doing, I'm not having to think about this. And when I'm doing it, I'm, I'm energized and I'm excited to do it. And it's the end of the week. So I've, I've got a little bit of, you know, a bit of a weekend buzz to, to go on as well. Do you find that leaders are, are finding their zone pockets in their week as well to sort of have their, their downtime or their kind of deep work time? I think so. I think, you know, I, I've seen folks take a lot of initiative around like this idea of like defend 90, where they set that, that 90 minute 
window to do work right yep, in yep. the day because the meetings you know as you well know like the time management piece of it is really critical so the folks who really put intention around I have to have time to get the work done at some mm. point in the day those are the folks I, I think feel like we've got a little bit more capacity. Also, I know I'll be totally honest. I think the folks who have found a way to to their own kind of meditation, Mm -hmm. that's another kind of boundary tool, right? Where we shut it all off and say, I'm going to do 10 minutes of just whatever it is that I'm doing mindfully, whether it's, you know, breathing or, or truly meditating or an hour, whatever it is for the right person. Right. Or I think like you said, like I'm going to go take a walk right now. And it is this different, we move through different energy. Right. And, and, and sometimes like there's a great book called burnout. Uh, and it talks a lot about like, they have, they have 12, you know, scientifically proven ways that we move through stress. Right. And like, if you can, if we can insert like one, two, three of those into the week, like, oof. I feel like yeah. we're getting a handle on, you know, managing ourselves. That's, that's the, I think that's the real ticket the, to managing yeah. the energy. We got to close that stress cycle. Right. And yeah, you don't close it just because you close your laptop as much as I wish that were the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, and in some ways as for leaders, I kind of, I've, you know, the, the idea of that antivirus software that's always working in the background, I think for some leaders or some business owners. Whilst they might not be working, you know, as in talking with someone or typing something or whatever, in the background, there's that antivirus software, which is your brain that's just sort of ticking away, thinking about maybe the stress of the day or what you've got ahead of you and things like that. So if you can kind of, you know, there there is an ability on your computer, for example, to pause that antivirus software, you kind of think of it like that. And a pause might be, you know, a meditation, perhaps cold chow, you know, that's getting a bit of press at the moment or, uh, you know, a walk like great, great little, you know, hacks, I guess, to, to sort of break up, break up that day, isn't it? Yeah. And one, uh, another metaphor that I've heard folks use is that like the, you wouldn't let your phone get to 10%, right? Like you'd be mm-hmm. finding a phone charger before you got to 10%. But you'll let yourself run out of battery, you know? And yeah. I think of that, like, to me, I think about that. I'm like, oh, you get that warning at 20%. Don't I wish that warning would happen? Like, oh, you're at 20% of your energy. I'm to plug in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel that's like- a, yeah, that, that's a great one. That's, that's, uh, I'm also, I'm going to copy that and use that, Jen, and, and steal it off you. Please. Jen, I'm, Jen, Jen, I'm wondering, I've been talking a lot about the future of work, and it's kind of a topic that really, people start thinking about, you know, where will things be in 10 years? And I guess from your area of expertise being startups, I'm imagining that for leaders in say 10 years time in that environment, there's going to be some challenges that they're facing. Do you think those challenges will be anything, any different to what they are now? Or are we talking about the same challenges that are, you know, things like well-being and being able to lead well? What do you think? I think it will be similar. I have this, I, I'm holding out hope for the generation that's coming behind us that there will be more tools brought into the workplace. Like we will see things like mindfulness at work, like truly practicing right. a minute or two of, you know, breathing exercise before we start a meeting. This is something I see companies here doing now, great companies doing here. This idea of the four-day work week, the, the truly flexibility of work, 
those are the things that I that I hope are happening. Having a place too where we could talk about that this what's happening, you know, kind of in between our ears is really what leadership is about. As much as there's this, yes, leadership is management and management of people, but the leadership piece being EQ and 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 that that is such a that's such a critical piece where it's like the task that we must do as a leader, and then the relationship. And I think I, you know, I think of the challenges we might face, it's how do we continue in this way that we're so, that we can be so distant, right? Like truly far apart to do our work, still get connected, right? Where we, where we really do have like fostering team play and, you know, great collaboration, selfless leadership work. Like it's, it's still hard to see selfless leadership, you know, selfless leaders in, right. in this environment. It really, it, you know, it's, it, 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 it's hard to like, you know, touch it, feel it. And so I think that's, you know, that's, there's my hope. There's my, my little bit of concern. How do we, how do we still create that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think you've, you've nailed that. And I think, you know, we would hope that uh, with time, those solutions gradually evolve and present themselves, but yeah, that's really, really uh, well said. I couldn't, I couldn't say it any better for the startup business sort of space and leadership. So Jen, thanks so much for your time. I've found this really, uh, really interesting chat, some good stuff in there for me to learn from myself and, and also for others that are listening. Thank you, Tom. It was so great chatting with you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for tuning in to another Well Workplaces podcast. If you've loved the show, it would be fantastic if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or feel free to follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram and search Well Workplaces or my profile, Tom Bosner. The show is produced by Alice Hoyle and is made in my backyard cubby. If you would like to hear more about our exclusive events and more about the Well Workplaces community, feel free to email me directly at tom at wellworkplaces.com.au where I'd love you to tell me who I should interview in the future podcasts and also tell me what you've loved most about the show. This podcast is really built on community input and built on the aspiration of inspiring healthy change in every workplace. Thanks for listening.